0: Um, It's been an amazing weekend, you know, as I've been coming into this week, I've just been like, God, what is it that you'd like me to bring today? And I just believe that if I was to call this message anything, I'd call it to welcome to the faith zone. Welcome to the faith zone. I mean, it's interesting that that last song, that worship track, the house of miracles, I love the lyrics. I still believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working all things for good. And I don't know what your situation is today, but sometimes when you sing words like that, you're like, oh, he's working for someone else, but maybe he's not on my case. Anyone ever done that? Had faith to pray for someone else? But you're like, personally, I don't know if that's for me, but for someone else. But I just want to bring faith into the room today and say, you know what? God has something for you. I I just wholeheartedly believe it. Uh, A famous scripture, Romans 8, 28, it simply says this, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What a powerful statement. What a powerful place of faith when you believe that God can do anything. I want us, church, just right now to hold on to this truth. Whatever your circumstance right now, hold on to this truth. God is moving. He is moving right now, you know, I don't know how many times in my faith walk that I've had to come back to this place and go, God, I know that you're moving. I want to encourage us that, you know, if you don't know what's going on in your world, if you are literally this week, you have one of those weeks where things just went pear-shaped. Anyone want to admit that? Like, had a week like that? Okay, a few of you, right? Um, I think we all go through weeks like that. Things just went boom. It fell off a cliff. or well, something happened in our life and you kind of go, I didn't see that coming, and now I don't know where to go, can I tell you, you are perfectly positioned for God to move. Perfectly positioned for God to move. I like to call that the faith zone. And I want us all today to walk away going, I want to be in the faith zone. Not to go, I want to run from that, but actually God put me in that place so I can only trust in you. If you don't know what faith is, maybe you've never been in church, maybe someone invited you here today, um, and you're like, what is this? I mean, these guys are singing with all this passion, Can I say, we just believe in a living God. A living God. This is not a religious meeting and event. This is not some kind of, I better do this because I want to go to heaven one day. This is a real relationship with a real living God. And you can have that. And I hope by the end of this service, if you don't have that, you will just step out and go, I want that. Because it'll change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. If you want to know the definition of faith, Hebrews 11.1 says it like this. It says, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. When you read something like that, it sounds almost quite um, deep and you have to think about that. So I found another version of it, and I normally wouldn't preach from this, but the Message Bible, yeah. the Message is just a version of the Bible where someone has unpacked it in a really simple form so we can understand a little bit. And if you actually find the Bible hard to read, sometimes it's nice just to look at someone else's interpretation of it. But it says this, the, this is what faith is in Hebrews 11, 1, in the in the Message version. It says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's a handle on what we can't see. I'll just say that. It's a handle on what we can't see. The thing we can hold on to, a handle. We can't yet see it, but we just know that we know that we know that we know that we know. In your spirit, you just know that you know that you know. Ever been in one of those situations? That's a spirit testifying to you saying, "Not give, don't give up. Have faith. The Holy Spirit is stirring you. You know, I've got to tell this, tell this right now. You need faith. You need a faith that you know that you know that you know, because it's an anchor for your soul. When you are going through storms and trials and stuff in your life, you cannot work out. I've got to tell you, have faith. Hold on to it. Hold on to it. Know that God's coming through because he loves you. I want to challenge us in this faith zone because, as I said, by the end of this message, I don't want any of our church to walk out going, I don't want that. In fact, I want you stepping outside the boat to Jesus. I want you actually genuinely going, God, whatever you have for me, even if I don't understand, I just know that you're on the move. That's what I'm believing for this message. You know, I want to share some things that have happened in the last week. I want to stir our faith today. I want to stir our faith because God is goodness. He is so good. His goodness is so unbelievable. You know, I actually want to start with our legacy offering that happened last week. Who wants to know where we're at? Man, can I just tell you? You know, if you're just here for the first time, as I said we had a legacy offering last week where our church community dug deep and said, we believe in the future of this church in the Redlands. And uh, four weeks ago, I shared a vision. I just believe wholeheartedly God wants us to move forward and find our own building in the next 18 to 24 months. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, the second we got here, that was just stirring my heart as it's time. It's time. I can see it. I can see it by faith. I don't know how we get there, right? But I can see it by faith. And you know how you get there? One step at a time in faith. One step at a time And the faith step for this church was let's raise a hundred grand to put in a building fund, and to upgrade some of our stuff. A hundred grand, and I think you know we've got a community of about three hundred people. That's a lot. Like you know, it's a big step. It's it's crazy. And uh, last week, a stacker, you filled out your legacy cards, and you said as. We want to see this church here for a generation to come. For those youth kids that go on youth camp in September, they'll be here with their kids' kids one day because of what we did. And we set that, and I must admit, I was like, God, are you going to come through here? I see it. I believe it. And, um, you know, I know a lot of us haven't even filled out our legacy cards yet, which is, it's cool, but there's still plenty of time because I want us to be involved in this. And so I want to tell you what happened last week. Um, Last week, we had our legacy cards come in, and you, as the church, pledged over $150,000. But here's, here's the really amazing thing, because I've been part of these things before, right? People get really buzzed. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give to that, right? And, and then like a year goes by, and you look in the account or wherever, and they're like, we raised 10000 you know? like Church, on Friday I was talking to Sally, and... Um, The most mind-blowing thing happened in the last five days. Not only did you pledge it, over $100,000 has been dropped in five days. Come on! You know, that is amazing. It's amazing. Can I just tell you the joy? Like, I've just been like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? It sounds like you don't understand, man. Like, this is what's happening. But you know what I love the most? Everyone's just part of it. It's five bucks, ten bucks, fifty bucks, five thousand, doesn't matter. But everyone's like, you know what? We believe it too. We see the vision for this church. And I just want to say, you know, look, we're on our way. Um, About ninety two thousand of that is towards our building fund. There's about another thirty that's been pledged just for our community activity. Um, But I want to share something with you because I didn't think I was going to share this, but I, I want to share this with you. Because when it comes to faith, we step out into a place we can't possibly understand. And I want to share with you that at the start of this year, it's actually the first weekend of this year, we hadn't even accepted the role as location pastors. But can I just tell you that we just knew, you know, you know that you know that you know. And Beck and I, before the first service of the year, we came in here and we prayed over this building. We prayed over every seat. We prayed over the stage. We prayed over the foyer. And as I was in here, the Holy Spirit hit me and He said, as, double. And I'm like, double. And it's like, everything, as double. Everything you pour out, everything that you do will be double. Double the numbers, the finance, double the amount of kids in in youth, double the amount of kids in, in kids' ministry, double the amount of salvations, double the amount of baptism. And so we just believed it. It was just like, okay, God, double. And to be honest, I went away and went, is that all, God, double? Like, you know, you can think of these big audacious things. That's me, a visionary, right? But you know what? We've already reached 150 And I go, God, are you really going to double it? Are you really going to do what you said you were going to do in January? I just want you to step out in faith. If you haven't, just get on board. God is going to do something so incredible. When people let go and let God, man, things happen. Things just happen. And, um, you know, it was such a powerful time at the start of the year. And I just want you to understand that God has so much more for this area, this church. He loves the Redlands, He loves the Redlands and the people of the Redlands. Did you get that? Jesus loves the Redlands and the people of the Redlands. And you know what? I believe that they're going to be here and they're going to know that love through this next season of our life. You know, I believe that God wants us to have faith every day in every circumstance. He wants us to rely on Him. He often calls us into this faith zone And he often calls us to a place of sacrifice before he moves. Who knows that? God is an interesting character. He's like, he doesn't just go, I'm just going to give it to you. He goes, what are you going to give to me first? We'll work together as a team, you and I. But what are you prepared to bring? That's how you know it's relationship, right? This is not a religious being. It's like God wants to work with us. And he's like, what are you going to bring? And then I'll show up and I'll show you what I'm going to bring. And that's the most powerful thing. I actually want to open to a story in Genesis today. This is a faith story that highlights the character of God. If you've never understood this about God, you've got to understand that We see God's character throughout the scriptures. And I want to open to this really famous story. If you pick up your Bible or who's got a mobile phone with a Bible app on their phone, you can download it. Um, I want to encourage you uh, to go and read this story yourself because it's a long one. Okay. So you're going to go to the first book, the book of Genesis. If you've never opened a Bible and you're like, where do I start? Um, And what you'll find is a story about a man named Abraham. Well, Abram at this time, you know, maybe you were a kid, maybe you went to kids' church when you're kid- and you learned that song, Father Abraham. Yeah. You know that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many many sons had Father Abraham, right? I am one of them, and so are you. I should be in kids' ministry. So let's just praise the Lord, right? That's my left arm. Anyway, right. It's interesting that we know that song, Father Abraham had many sons, when we're opening the Bible, by this stage, at the age of 86, he has no sons. None. Not one son at the age of 86. Can you imagine that? Like you get to 86 and God's going, I'm going to give you a son. This is actually the story that unpacks in Genesis. It's actually from chapter 15, right through to chapter 22. So it's a long passage of scripture. So I'm not going to go into all of it, but I do want to unpack some things. Um, God promises Abram, at that time, his name wasn't Abraham, a son At the time he's 86, his wife is in her 70s. Anyone in their 70s here? Would you like another child, Fran? (laughs) I mean, seriously, you're like, no, God, no. I think Jeff just gave you a wink anyway. Anyways. It's interesting that in this story we hear about Abram, God says, hey, Abram, I'm going to make you a father of all nations, and you're going to have kids and kids and more kids. And he looks at God and is like, I'm 86. I got nothing. This is ridiculous. His wife, Sarah, she actually laughs at him. She says, that's ridiculous, that's stupid, and it's interesting in this story about chapter 15, uh, Sarah, she actually takes it into her own hands. She goes, well, I can't have a kid. Um, I've got a slave. Go and have a kid with her. Because God clearly wants to do something, so I better make things happen. Anyone ever done that before? God wants something to happen, I better knock down some doors. God's given you a word, a prophetic word. And instead of you being patient and allowing God to do it, you start knocking down doors. You start pushing your way into things. You start getting into a mess because God hasn't actually done what He needs to do yet. And this is what happens to them. They end up having his son through this slave. It's a crazy story. He ends up <coughs> being um, like this young boy. At the age of 13, like the whole family is a mess. Like it is like a like it's a drama. Like it is full on what's going on in his life. And so what actually happens is um, 13 years after they've done things the wrong way because they were trying to push God to do it in their time, God shows up again. And Abraham, or Abram at the time, is talking to God, and God says, I'm going to give you a son. And he already knew what had happened for 13 years. That's a long time of waiting, right? You know, I've never been waiting for something for 13 years and it's still not happened? That's a long time. So now, Abram is 99 years old. And God says, I'm going to give you a son. In fact, in the passage of Scripture, through this period, it actually says Sarah or Sarah, she just starts laughing. And Abram says, You were laughing. It goes, I didn't do that. She says, you did, you laughed. Why did you laugh? She's like, you know, seriously, I you know, I can't, I'm I'm I am i can not have a child now. I'm 88 years of age, 87 years of age. But God gives him a son. They name of him Isaac. You've got to understand that this is their future, the family lineage. This is the one that will take them forward. This is what it was all about back then. It was just about family. That was the most important thing. Now they have a son named Isaac. They've got the golden child and everything and every part of their lives they pour into this young boy. By now, Abram has been renamed Abraham. He's now trusting in God because he's seen God come through over a long period of time. He's let God do it. This is where I want to pick up on the story in Genesis 22. It says this, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Can you imagine this? Abraham has his son who's strong enough how to hold the wood and the knife. In his teen years, they're walking up this mountain. He said, hold this, Isaac. Isaac's walking up the mountain with him and Abraham in his mind must have been just going through absolute trauma. This is my future and you're asking me to kill it. It says this, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, father, yes my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering my son and the two of them went on together I want to stop there and read that because we can read that as a he doesn't know what's going on but you've got to understand that Abraham has been in relationship with God now for 20 plus years since his first mistake he has heard the voice of God and now he knows he knows he knows and he knows his good father he knows God And he says this, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. A declaration of God's got it, but I'm still walking. I'm still walking towards what I have to let go of, but God's got it, but I'm still walking. I'm still walking. I could lose everything that I have got in my life. You are the only thing of value in my life, but God's got it. I'm still walking. And he walks up to the top of the hill. He lays Isaac down on the sacrifice. And it says, as he was going to strike his own son in obedience, an angel declares and calls out, Abraham, Abraham! It's like, whoo! Dropped his knife. He says, Here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because because you have not withheld from me your son your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught in its thorns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called this place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, your only thing of value. You haven't held it back. I'm more important than the number one thing in your life right now. I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You know, there's so many powerful moments in this story. You know, honestly, I knew when I grew up, I used to be really perplexed by this story. Why would God want to kill his own son? You can understand God's plan was looking for obedience. He wanted to know how in Abraham was. Would you let go of the most important thing for you for my plan on your life? Would you sacrifice the thing that's closest to you, that holds you? As I said, Abraham's been on a, a journey with God for decades now. He knew that God was good because even though it made no sense for him at the age of 99 to have a kid, God made it happen. So he could see that God was good and he'd brought it through, and he knew if he'd done it before, he'll do it again. I want you to understand that, church, in the faith zone, God has done it before in your life, he will do it again. Don't lose hope, do not lose faith. It's interesting that statement, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham knew the heart of God and no matter what, he would be obedient because he trusted God's voice. Church, I can be honest with you today. I just want to be honest. This is what the faith zone actually looks like. The longer you're in a relationship with God, the clearer his voice becomes And you just know that you know, that you know, that you know. You have the handle to hold on to. You have the anchor. And you may not see how, but God's coming through. God is coming through. You know, Beck and I can attest to this space this week. You know, coming to Brisbane to do this church, it was just a place of obedience. It was like, God, are you really taking us from the Gold Coast, from everything that we know, all of our friendships, everything that we built for eight years, But we just knew that we knew that we knew that God was doing something. And out of obedience, we decided we wanted to come up here, and God's been so good to us. And a couple of months ago, I just felt wholeheartedly, once again, that stirring within my spirit. God said, it's time to sell your home on the Gold Coast. I want you to remove your roots there and replant them in the Redlands. And you're going to sell your home. And that was a really big, like, okay, that's massive, and uh, a few weeks ago, in fact, on the first week of Legacy, I shared how we'd actually got everything planned. We'd actually, the people that were living in our house had moved out of our house before an auction. Everyone's saying, this market is red hot. You are going to sell. It's going to go so quickly. The week before the auction, five or six buyers sniffing around, we're like, it's going to go nuts. This is going to be the best. And then the Saturday before the start of Legacy, not one bid it was the weirdest feeling, walking up our driveway to not see really anyone. And my auctioneer, my guy, who's been telling me all week it's going to be good, going, we're not having an auction. And I must admit, in that moment, I was questioning, my God, did I hear your voice? Like, I, I'm stepping into this space, this legacy series on, on God's provision, and I would have loved to have had a testimony on the first week. <laughs> so you all go, Yes! And I'm like, that's right, that's my God, right? But who knows, God comes through at really interesting times, outside of our timing. I'm sure the whole way Abraham's walking up the mountain, he's looking around for a sheep. (laughs) Seeing nothing. This is interesting thing about the faith zone. It's interesting after that weekend, I remember talking to Beck. Beck just said, you know, I feel it wholeheartedly in my spirit. We will sell the house after Legacy. It'll happen after Legacy, she just knew it. She knew that she knew that she knew. She was in the faith zone. And I said, yeah, I believe that too. I believe that's what's going to happen. And so uh, as time went on, a couple of weeks passed, obviously, not one bite. We had over 70 groups come through. Not one offer for where we needed to be. The first day we had an offer within two minutes. We thought we're going to sell this and then nothing. My agent, he's just calling me going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. It's going to be Okay. <laughs> And I'm like, God, what are you doing? And the whole time I'm praying, God, what do you want me to do? Show me which way to go. What is it? I have an empty house. I'm not sure what to do. And I'm over there cleaning my pool before an inspection the other day. I'm standing there and I felt the Holy Spirit go, you need to pull, you need to call a real estate agent to re-rent the house. And I'm like, but doesn't that go against what I believe you're supposed to be selling this thing? But I felt it so strongly. And when you know God's voice, you know, the sheep know His voice. And so when you've been on the journey long enough, you know when God's stirring. And I literally called this lady whilst cleaning the pool. And I said, hey, wonder if you could come out and do a rental appraisal on my house. Yep, I'll be there. Within an hour, she's there. And she tells me that my rent can be expand, like exponentially more than I was getting. And I was blown away. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. I'll have it rented tomorrow. But when you rent it out, you can't sell it. Right, unless it's to an investor, I'm like, oh my gosh, what do I do? But I, I was just like, I'll give you a call tomorrow. That afternoon, within two hours, I'm praying in my car driving to Brisbane, and a mate calls me and he says, How's the house going? Because so many of you too have been praying, believing God's coming through. And I said, Dude, nothing. I've actually just decided, I think I might rent this place out. I don't know who to. We've got um, Ben and Eden, actually, in the front of our property in this little granny flat. And I want to kick them out. I want to look after them. And I'm just like, God, how do I? I need a Christian or someone in the top house. How... And this guy's talking to me. And I go, I think I'm going to rent. He goes, my sister needs a house. How much? I told him. He goes, that's her price range. I said, yeah, but, you know, like, when does she need it? Like, months? He goes, immediately. I said, why? And he goes, her roof fell in on her rental. What? Yeah, yeah, they're in the lounge room. The roof fell in. In their rental and they need another place immediately. I think your house will be perfect. Within five minutes, she's calling me. Can I come over? She walks in, goes, we want to live here. Christian family. And I'm like, that's way too easy. (laughs) Like within 24. So I'm like, God, so you want me to keep the house? Because now we're not in financial stress. Maybe we're not selling the house. And I call my real estate agent up and I say, hey, Um, we've got an open home on Saturday. You can no longer sell it to someone who wants to live in the house because I'm letting this family move in and the Christians, the the people in the front, they're staying. I've told them they can stay. And the real estate agent's like, you're killing me. (laughs) I said, you've got one more inspection. You can only sell to investors. That's how it is. So Saturday comes around and he goes and he calls me, he goes, we have a buyer. They want to move in. And I'm like, they can't. He said, well, you need, to, you need to figure that out. He goes, because they want to move in. And I actually, I was just like, I just didn't feel right in my spirit. Beck didn't feel right. We're like, God, we don't feel right about this. We're not kicking Ben and Eden out. We feel that we need the right people in the house. These are the right people. And so my agent keeps calling me. On Monday comes around, he calls me. This is their offer. They weren't near where we needed to be. But he said, they want to move in. You need to tell your tenant they're out. Just say you made a mistake, your timing was wrong, and they're out. And I just stopped, and I said, tell your buyers no. And he goes, why? I said, mate, I'm a man of my word. My yes is my yes, my no is my no. I said they can stay, they're staying. Because you don't have it in a contract. You stay, that's fine, they'll still have 60 days. And I said, tell them I'm a man of my word. If they want to buy it, they're not to move in. And he was on the phone. This guy's not a Christian. He's like, as... You're killing the deal. You're putting a nail in the deal. You are killing it. I just want you to know. He's like, Do you want to sell this or what? I said, Tell him. I said, mate, my integrity and my character is way more important than money. Tell them. And he's so angry, gets off the phone, I'll give him a call. Calls me about an hour later, and he starts laughing on the phone. He goes, You never get it. Guess what? I said, What's that? And he goes, The buyers, I told him, Oh, he's a man of his word, he's let these people stay. And yeah, he's got these. And the guy on the phone goes, Yeah, I have the same values. I go to Hillsong in Brisbane. <laughs> so my agent's going, You weird Christians. <laughs> but it's not over because they're still not where we need to be. Beck and I felt wholeheartedly we knew where we were supposed to be. And so they'd made this offer, and um, we were actually at the INC conference, and on the Tuesday, they, you know, they weren't even close. And he's like, that's their final tap out. And I'm like, okay. And then Beck messages me and she goes, you know, we would filled out our legacy card last week. And, um, but we didn't put it in because we forgot things got so busy and we had this card, we hadn't handed it in. And Beck said, I actually believe I have to hand that card in before God's going to move. Bring the sacrifice first. Like I'm going to commit to this and I don't know where it's coming from, but we're believing, right? So I go, okay, great. So she hands it in then that night um they still haven't really come up um and i uh I was just like god what do you want to do and i'm in worship and the holy spirit says as i don't want you just to commit it i want you to transfer it <laughs> and i'm like okay all right i'm like i honestly was like where wh- okay because God's been like smashing us on this area. So I sent a message to Beck. I'm going to go up to the room at the hotel. I'm transferring it right now. She goes, okay. I went and transferred it. And as I just went out I went, God, you do your thing now. You show up. The next day, they called up. They were still stuck at a point. I said, mate, you need to tell them it's this point. And he said, they're going to walk away. And I said, no, I believe it. That's the price. <clears throat> and he called back. He said, mate, the deal's done. I want to tell you, church... Yeah, it's amazing, all right? What I, I, I got to tell you that the increase, and I'm going to say this with faith because I want you to understand God sees it. Every dollar that was given the night before was returned in the increase. God was like, "I'll look after your legacy offering. Sold. God works in ways that we've got to understand he wants us to bring our sacrifice. He wants to say, how much do you trust me and the timing of it? Beck knew that she knew that she knew. I was like, yeah, babe, I know. And even with the, was they were so close. And I'm like, that's pretty good. She's like, you know, we know, we know. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Close enough is good enough. <laughs> God moves when we're prepared to lay something down. I want to challenge this church on this sacrifice thing in fact actually in that worship session where God said you need to go do it right now the holy spirit highlighted to me the story i shared last week on solomon remember how i talked about solomon god came to solomon you can have whatever you want and he says i want wisdom and discernment but prior to that holy spirit just reminded me it's like as go and have a look before that happened what did solomon do 1 kings 3 verse 4 this is what solomon did it said the king that's being solomon wanted to give in To offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, and Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar, and directly after, God shows up in a dream. The sacrifice preempts God's move. Now, I'm not just talking about finance stuff here today, I'm talking about what is God asking you to lay down. In your life right now, a bad relationship, a habit that's hidden. Maybe it's something that you've come to church your whole life and you've never let go of something that you know is destroying you, but you're like, God, you can have it all, but not that. And God's like, do you want me to move in your life or not? Lay it down. Put it on the altar. Say, God, I want to be obedient. I want to leave it. So that you can move. God is good and He makes a way. Romans 8 28, we know that in all things God works for good for those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. What's God calling you you to today? The most amazing thing about the God that we follow is that He sets an example of the things he asks us to do you know how he said abraham you gave up your one son your only son so for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life god understood that it took sacrifice to have you added to his family and he would give up the most important, most valuable thing to him. He would send his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross so he could be reconciled to you and I. He would let go of the most important thing to him to show us his love. What a powerful moment. The most insane thing about that, when you read this story about Isaac and Abraham, it's not just that. The place where Isaac was laid out on this sacrifice historically is believed to be exactly the same place where Jesus died on the cross. Same place. the place of the skull. same place historically. In this moment where Abraham was called to sacrifice his son, God's like, no no no, in fact, down the track I'm going to lay my own son down in that same place. for you. It's incredible. They say that Isaac is a representation of Christ because Isaac carried his own sticks to the place of sacrifice. Jesus carried his own cross to the place of sacrifice. Thousands of years later, God said, you no longer have to bring a sacrifice. I will be your sacrifice so that you can be free. It's good news. So Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you that you call us to a place of obedience and laying down those things that hinder us and separate us from you. God, I pray that you in this moment will move. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We believe this message will inspire you into greater intimacy with Jesus, relationship with others, and influence in your world. If you would like to know more about us, you can visit us online at www.elevationchurch.com.au.